Hey, it's Nick Coe from Real Social Dynamics. And I got uh, one of my buddies here who has an amazing art gallery. I do Jamal, Mizan Butte, Tivoli Village, Las Vegas. So this is uh, a cool opportunity because we have somebody here who's an entrepreneur, a master sommelier, and also an artist. And I was really <laughs> impressed by the variety of the arts you have here also. And uh, I think it's really interesting that you just had this amazing gallery and probably one of the most artistically beautiful architectural structures in the entire city. Uh, now you created art from uh, Chicago and I wanted to hear also about how you came to Vegas and like what the process was yeah. of your art history. Oh God, the art history. Let's start with the history and hurry, see if I can hurry up and get it out of the way. I am truly long-winded. Uh, a former Lehman Brothers stockbroker, I must say. <laughs> oh, wow. Don't let the art fool you, I know money very well. Uh, my grandmother, uh, somehow, being a genius that she was, kind of shaped me to where I am today. She would do little things like call me up and ask me to come over and fix her vacuum cleaner, which didn't make sense to me. I get there, she got the tools and everything, she'd walk out of the room. She would constantly rub my hands and tell me I had my grandfather's hand, who passed away when I was a little boy, never really got to know him. Anyhow, one day she gave me a four by six picture, asked me to fix it, took it to a photo lab. They said they wanted $500, I called her. She said, I didn't ask you to pay for it, dummy. I asked you to fix it. I put it away a year later, moved down to the Gold Coast, a block from the Newberry Library in Chicago, who had a very large section on print photography and uh, things of that sort. So I decided to go in and browse through some books, and then I came up with different formulas on how to fix it, and then eventually I fixed it and discovered I, you know, enjoyed what I was doing. And then she constantly kept giving me pictures and pictures, and before I know it, I was fascinated by the, by the idea of telling stories and creating things with all the stuff she had given me, and I've never stopped since. <laughs> and of all your art, it looks like has, you have really creative art from Obama wine bottles to uh, wine bottles of uh, other, it looks like important Iconic. figures of Chicago's past and also our American history. Absolutely. Uh, What's inspired this? Well, the process in which I create the bottles is a sand process that the Egyptians and uh, the Indians and all the cultures really of the rural who wanted to relay their stories to the future to tell the stories of their time. And the fact that I was using that process, I, I felt compelled to tell the stories. I felt compelled to honor those that may have never been honored on a wine bottle or tell their story in a more modern form of art that society is familiar with. People may not pick up a book these days, but everybody's bound to see a bottle. So it's a way of keeping, perpetuating the story in a modern culture. It's pretty cool. I, I'm also very interested in how you became an entrepreneur, not just, a, not just the artist. My, my mom, you know, she was an artist too, but she never had a chance to have an awesome gallery like this. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. It's, it's, you know, as far back as I can remember, I was an entrepreneur. Um, I used to collect Hot Wheel cars. I probably had 200 at least. And then I built a ramp in my neighborhood in Chicago, and I used to race the cars. Now I noticed the kids on the sideline taking bets. And I looked and said, wait a minute, these guys are taking bets. I got the cars, I got the tracks. It's not gonna happen anymore. I'm the bookie now, 
This is my operation. So now I'm taking bets on Hot Wheel cars, and I'm making pretty good money. <laughs> That's awesome. So hold on. So the, the, the parents in the neighborhood, a few of them, complained to my grandmother that I was taking their kids' money that they had given them to get refreshments. <laughs> and my grandmother took my cars, took my track, told me I couldn't race my cars, and then I wrote her a proposal. <laughs> I don't know where it came from, but I wrote her a proposal and said, Granny, the money that I made, I would like to use it to buy, you know, Kool-Aid to make popsicles and ice cups and bought cookies and candies. And then I employed my sisters to have the concession stand. So for the parents who wanted their kids to have refreshments in the summertime, they were allowed to. And the parents that didn't care if I was running a bookie joint, let their kids bet all the time. So, <laughs> so I'm, a, I'm at least nine years old, I, and, and I'm wired that way. It's just, if you wired a certain way, uh, everything I am today, I was as a kid. It's, it's nothing, if you, you consult with any of the people I grew up with, they, they expected me to be 10 times as great, or to have more stuff, or to do things. This is no surprise for anyone that knows me. You know, I was doing things as a kid coming up with things. And I wasn't really thinking of it at that time as business. I, I just felt I was providing a service. Now you went to Lehman Brothers, is that in Chicago? Or yeah, LA? Chicago. Chicago. I actually started in Houston. Go Astros. <laughs> um, I started at the Texas Commerce Tower. I was in a training program. And when I completed the program, I went to Lehman Brothers in Chicago at 190 South LaSalle. And you know, I had an obsession with the investment industry and it goes back to being in the kitchen with my grandmother cooking. So my grandmother would have these big dinners, Sunday dinners, and of course, nine kids, I decided to be a prep cook so I could get to lick the bowls, you know, taste the food with granny. So I was actually be in the kitchen with her while she's preparing these dishes, and one of the big things was she would have newspapers scattered all over the table, and she would show me how to pick the greens. Take the leaves, throw the stems, take the leaves, throw the stems. And as I'm doing that, I notice the stock tables, the financial columns, because most people, I have to say it, prefer to read the horoscopes in a sports section. Maybe daily news, but you know, it takes a special person to really take a look at what's going on in the business side of things. And me being fascinated with numbers as a kid, was really into math and science, that these numbers were very intriguing to me. So I, I took it upon myself to get into the investment industry so that I could, you know, free my mind. <laughs> like, what are these guys doing? You know, what is all these zeros? What does this relate to? What is the price earning multiple? What is a dividend? You know, what, why are they quoting these numbers in fractions? All those things that if you're into that thing, you're wide a certain way, you're, you're going to be curious. And, and instead of being just curious in life, you have an opportunity to learn something, learn it. It's just that simple. Yeah, I like that, I like that mindset of uh, diving into continual education. Yes, you know, yes. It's, it's been my focus. Uh, there's no continuing entrepreneur education. You have to kind yeah. of uh, seek it out. Absolutely, absolutely. And the same thing applies with art. Um, I don't want to use the term that I was self-taught because you don't teach yourself anything. It's an ancestral thing. The people before you are the people that did it. And you just happen to be blessed with those genes, uh, that lineage enabled to, 
to enable you to do certain things. So with art, my grandfather was an artist, uh, so apparently it was in my blood, so I wanted to paint. And then art has so many different dimensions. There's so many processes and so much science involved into art, way beyond painting. Painters start in kindergarten. You're just painting, the teacher gives you some paint, you paint and you color. That's basic art, but there's an art where you have to build structures, you have to do formulas, you have to do processes, you have to wait for curing. I'm fascinated by that kind of thing. So that's why you see so many different types of art here, from blown glass to cut glass to paintings to encaustics to wax to resins. Those are the things that stimulate my brain. The more I learn to create, you know, so that once you get it under your belt, you already know it. <laughs> well, you're also a master psalm, and you create the uh, art of bottles. I'm curious, how did that process went hand in hand, like how that kind of developed? Yeah, uh, 2003, I embarked on a journey, following my heart, in love with a young lady in eastern Washington, which happened to be the second largest wine industry in the United States. Um, and I was there mingling with the wineries, and of course, everyone wanted me to make their wine label. They knew I was an artist. And I you know, started doing that, opened the gallery, got involved with the wine industry, became a cellar rat, hanging around at different wineries, drinking, tasting, partying, doing the whole thing. And the mere fact that they wanted me to do the labels, I thought it was very important to know what I was drawing and the depth in which I was drawing. What does a label mean? I mean, how I'm that geekish, <laughs> I'm that geekish. What does the label mean? What is all this 750 milliliter stuff? What is the alcohol volume? What is the region thing? Why is it that way? And if you have, if you wired to that type of understanding, then it makes it a little bit easier from an art perspective to interpret that to the consumer. If someone says they have a Sangiovese. Well, what is Sangiovese? It's a, an Italian varietal. So that label should give you some kind of Tuscany, Italian thing, someone's on a bicycle, riding in Florence, you know, somewhere on their way to a picnic to have some vino. <laughs> so that was it. So as I started doing the art, um, of course, I became interested. The Society of Wine Educators contacted me. I became a spokesperson. Uh, I didn't ask them for it. They just brought it to me, just like the place. Uh, the International Summit Yegil put me in their program, literally, and I started studying wine. And I, I was a bit intimidated at first because there were, most of the people there worked in restaurants or some kind of liquor conglomerate, and I was just an artist. So I didn't get it right away, but when I decided, how do you learn I do, opposed to how they learn, it's different. The only way I was able to really gather the wine industry was I had to paint each region. <laughs> so I did, of course, Italy. Of course, I did France. I did the US. I did all the, the, the regions of the Ruhr. I painted them. So once you, you know, put the pen down, you kind of register it in your brain. So it kind of made it work for me, you know. And then next you know, I was the geek in the class and all the guys in the restaurant industry and wine industry couldn't stand me. <laughs> well, I'm also uh, really interested in the business model behind an art gallery. It looks yeah. like 
you're a creator and you sell your own art. Yes. Is that the main business model or are there things I'm missing here? Uh, I help others. And being an artist, you know, I know how difficult it could be uh, landing in a gallery, having a, a steady floor income. God knows I started in Chicago on top. In my first gallery, it was in the Gold Coast, so I didn't have the struggle that most people have. But once I let go of Chicago and I got out on the road, I became a real artist in a sense because I actually starved. <laughs> and from you know, getting up and being diligent about your life, I would show up at Venice Beach at five o'clock in the morning, set my tent up, lay my presentation out, get ready for the people to start walking, and then I'd sit there and I'd talk to everybody that came by because this is how I ate. You know, this is how I fed myself. This is how I paid to keep my 1969 Volkswagen running. So uh, art is a, a business. We are an actual IRS code. We're the only creatures that can assess a value to a piece of paper other than the Federal Reserve. It has to be some validity there. So if an artist is not realizing who they are and what they can be or their worth, then they kind of somehow missed the point. It's, it's you know, synonymous, art, currency. It's a part of the infrastructure. It may not be as dominant and visible in the American society, but in the international community, I mean, we're what doctors are here, pretty much. So it, it's important to know the business part of everything you do. And, 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 and fortunate for me, my grandmother was such a solid businesswoman. So she was constantly always teaching me how to keep the checking account, how to do this, how to buy things, how to sell things. And I just kind of embrace all that knowledge and information into my existence. So, you know, to have a business, to take care of the overhead and insurance and all the different things you have to do. You know, most artists are not wired that way. We don't want to be wired that way. I mean, if I had my way and all my bills was paid, I would just create all day long and I wouldn't think about a thing. However, you know, the landlord has always got his hand out and you got to always be able to compensate him. So you have to be strategic um, in doing your business. And I thought one of the great things that happened for me here in Vegas was in opening up the door and opportunities for other people to bring their art in because I wasn't painting canvases, well now I am, but as much. I was doing glass, the Lalique style thing, that was my thing. But since I'm a gallery, most people are wired to look for paintings. So I said, well, why don't I give some people an opportunity that paint? And if these people are looking for painting, it's gonna be a winning situation. I'm gonna make a profit, the artist's gonna make a profit, the customer's gonna be happy, and we have a good relationship. And it's really, if when you reach out to help someone, you give someone something, you got two hands open to receive something. It's just that simple. The more you give, the more you get. The collaborations that you're doing in uh, art and networking yeah. is stuff that we talk about all the time in other industries. So it's kind of cool to see the parallels. Oh, absolutely. I mean, one thing I could say is that everything you do in life parallels to something else. You know, if I go back to as a kid going to the Museum of Science and Industry, I was so fascinated. It was so much industry and so much history and things to know about our culture, how people make things, how people build things. But the most phenomenal thing was looking through, you know, 
the, the microscopes, the telescopes, and reading the stories, and now I'm cutting glass, and I'm, I'm using these intense glasses while I'm looking through things. I leave Lehman Brothers, I get in the wine business, I end up in Bordeaux. Someone pulled me up and said, oh, dude, we want to talk to you about wine investments. I said, <laughs> wine investments? Hold them up. Buying futures in Bordeaux. So everything you learn parallels to various industries. If I left this industry and got into the medical industry, we would surely see being, if I became a surgeon, I would be using gargles. If the investment side would be the insurance, and so on and so on and so forth. So everything in life is connected to a core. It's very similar to the wine. In wine, you know, you hear experts talk about wine and they talk about uh, a wine having a particular note, a flavor. Those are chemical profiles. And wine is proof that everything is connected from one core. You could actually have a gamay in a Beaujolais village region of France, and it has notes of apples and bananas and those type of things, when there's no bananas nowhere in sight, because they have the same chemical profile from the soil. So in another part of the world, they become bananas, and France, they are in the wine, and it gives it a more banana-like flavor. You could go to New Zealand, New Zealand, and have a Sauvignon Blanc. And strange enough, the Sauvignon Blancs have the chemical profile of a mango fruit. <laughs> go figure. So everything is connected. It's just everything is based on a mathematical formula. And whether we want to realize it or not, that's how the world actually runs. What are the biggest challenges that you face in the uh, art world, in the art business? Uh, I don't think I have any. <laughs> well, tell, me, tell me about how, how long have you been here in Vegas? I've, I've actually been here now, I believe, four months. Four, four months? months? Four really? months, wow. yeah. Uh, came over to Vegas to do a show with the AKAs. Wasn't a, one of my best shows. However, I found the show of this gentleman named Sal, and I got to always let people know, Sal is a great guy, does a lot of art, craft shows around here, Vegas, Santa Fe, Suncoast. And it was just a crap shoot. I called Sal, tell him I'm in town, I got my collection, I want to showcase in Vegas. I wanted to show Vegas what I did. So by any means, I was going to show it, whether it was a crap show or not. So I show up, the management uh, from Tivoli Village shows up, see my art, and say, we want you in Tivoli Village. I have no clue what Tivoli Village is. Uh, Trishel Wynn, on the other hand, did, uh, who's a, a very prominent model, uh, master winemaker that lives here in Vegas. She got on me, she made me follow up, called Suzanne, called Suzanne, so I called Suzanne, Suzanne said, can you be in Vegas at one o'clock Monday, we want to make you an offer, you can't refuse. Me being a businessman, I'm looking at my situation in LA, the walls are closing in, I'm ready to expand out and share my craft with the rest of the world, I said, why not? Huh. So you basically now have a situation where you have uh, partners in the gallery also, or no? Yeah, I have partners. I got partners. I bring, I got, I, Trishel's my partner, Trishel Wynn, and Mary Covington is my partner who makes these wonderful wine-infused jellies uh, based out of Indianapolis, but with a retired Los Angeles, LA uh, Unified School teacher. And Mary came into the operation early on in L.A., and she took some of the wines and decided that she was going to make some jellies, showed up with these jellies, and 
There you have it. She's in. Trishel, another one, makes wine. Uh, very glamorous, outspoken. I had to say that to get her. Uh, <laughs> person that's doing a whole lot of great things in uh, Vegas. And I just want to surround myself with people who are vibrating change, who are vibrating good vibrations that want to help the community, who want to build, build infrastructures. Those are the people I'm looking for. Awesome. Yeah. And if we want to uh, see some of your art, can we see it also online and see some of your... Yes, you could go... Uh, the website has mainly the bottle, the decanters, the glasses, but you have to come to Vegas to see everything else. Uh, www.misonbute.com. So it's spelled real quick, M-I-S hyphen E-N hyphen B-O-U-T-E-I-L-L-E.com. Mizon Boutte, which means where something is bottled. And of course, we got bottles here uh, to verify that. Uh, but come down to the gallery. We over at Tivoli Village, 410 uh, South Rampart. It's a great place to be, a great restaurant. We have... Uh, the Yones, we have the Hamptons, we have the great the great Echoed Rigs is my favorite. Letitia just showed up, and it's a lot of great things. The Waffle Bar, destinations, just come over and see. But in the meantime, I could take you around and show you a few pieces. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. Thank you. Let's uh, let's do this. Let's go. Well, let me start by featuring some of the, uh, the artists here. Let's give them some quick. This is uh, Ralph. Uh, God, I can never say Ralph's name. Megasons. Oh, all right, please forgive me, Ralph. And I'm from Chicago and got a little Irish blood. This is one of Ralph's pieces, was another artist that was here in Vegas that was looking for an opportunity to showcase his work. And I thought Ralph had a really, you know, interesting palette. This whole concept, the coloring is totally uh, Western, Southwestern, and the kind of Vegas themes. And his, his use of the oil and the subject matter was just touching to me and I thought, why not have Ralph? Why not give Ralph an opportunity? And Ralph sells really well. And if we go over here, we also see a few more Ralph pieces, which um, he loves very vivid colors, which is very similar to my own palette. A lot of New Orleans, French style uh, palettes. And I thought I'd give Ralph an opportunity to be here. This particular piece with the jazz musicians uh, was also the original, this is a poster that was acquired by the radio announcer, Michael Bateson. So this piece is another great piece that kind of emphasizes style. So here's, uh, this is what it actually looks like when I'm working. I got on like the space suit. <laughs> I always wanted to be an astronaut, but you know, NASA didn't recruit me for their program. So I wasn't gonna let NASA decide if I was gonna go to the moon or not, I was gonna take myself. So this is my suit, and I, I'm cutting, I'm carving, I'm, you know, it's the whole process. I actually have to put that suit on and wear it for 12 hours sometimes, just nonstop cutting. So this is my, um, my rights to protest collection. And as I mentioned, because I was doing sand, I wanted to tell stories. So here we have the bottle of justice, which, you know, comes from me traveling and living in the Bay and getting the Black Panthers history. And of course, wherever I go, I. I like to tell the story of that region and also the significance of the Panthers in our culture. So I have the, the bottle of justice. This bottle here is Dr. King's 
last march, and should have been the last time we marched. That's the significance of this battle. If we're still marching in 2016 and 17, somehow the equation of the math is absolutely wrong. And I wanted to emphasize that in this, doing this battle. Uh, of course, the riot police, um, the 1930 lynching of Thomas Shipp and Abraham Smith in Marion, Indiana. I wanted to tell this story. I think it was something that has to be, again, perpetuated into modern times for the younger generation. And then the, the rights to protest, the bodies, the people that we lost um, in the streets of Chicago and all over the world, uh, the President of the United States. And then we move into another collection, which is one of by far my favorite one to do, is the Motown collection. So I wanted to, you know, I, every kid in my neighborhood, at least myself, grew up on the Motown sound. It was like Motown is synonymous with me as uh, schoolhouse rock is with some other people. I mean, I knew the Motown sound. It was played in my house all the time. It was at every birthday party, every gathering, that just groove. And I wanted to honor Motown and thank them for shaping me into who I am today. And the great Barry Gordy, Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, Lena Horne, and the, the great Dr. Billy Taylor's featured on this bottle. And that's the great march. And here we have a tribute to uh, three great men of the Motown. Well, we have uh, first the artist, Arnie Barnes, who did the actual album for Marvin Gaye's I Want You, and my dear best buddy, mentor, Leon Ware, who actually wrote the song. And then, of course, the great Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, um, and Reflections, which is Diana Ross and the Supremes. None other than the great Temptations. You have to have the Temptations. And then there's a lot of other people I'm going to include that is not up on the wall yet. So don't, I don't want to get no, no bad emails saying, why you don't have my bottle up yet? But I'm going to get to you guys. And of course, the legendary songwriter genius behind Motown and a lot of great hits, Smokey Robinson. And then, of course, we go back into my own family theme, my grandfather and his cousins, which is the the beginning of actually what I consider to be my art career, the bebop piece. And then you can scan around, and these are all the historical streets up top of the Bronzeville neighborhood in Chicago, 31st, 35th, 43rd, 47. A little bit of my uh, oil paintings. Again, some of the, the photography and images that my grandmother had given me that I decided I would um, create art with. And this is the tale of two fannies. This is on archives at the Schoenberg Center in New York City. Uh, make sure you visit. And then we move here, you take a look at what I consider my Lalique stuff, the decanters, the glasses, crystal, stuff I actually, you know, carve. 14th century triptych all the way around the bottle. All done by hand. Ancestry taught, <laughs> not self-taught. And one of my favorites, of course, Sir Michael Jackson, honoring the great vibrationist with the glove. 
stoned. And there's more. <laughs> there's Mike again. I do a, a collection of stemware uh, that features various uh, artists. I also do a lot of customer. So people come to me when they're having uh, weddings, looking for special gifts to give people that have everything. Uh, people send me pictures. Uh, Sheena, she sits over in the Leon Cafe, so she texts me a picture and then she ended up on her own wine glass. What she needs to come pick up before I drink out of it again. <laughs> the great Josephine Baker, Angela Davis, the two Nina Simones just shipped out to Miss Ade in Atlanta, and the great Ali. There's more stuff. Let me show you the, one of my favorites of that collection. Another great vibrationist, brother. I call this collection Seattle Red, but you guys know who that is, don't you? Aren't you experienced? <laughs> All crystal, one of a kind set. If you're looking for something to give Mick Jagger to get in on a deal, come see me. <laughs> Marsha Hunt, baby. Uh, also, I want to show you this piece. Uh, this is a art composition that came from the ancestors to present to Vegas to let people know that Vegas is still fabulous despite of the incident on the strip. Uh, and I wanted to create and tell that story. You know, people say Vegas is strong. I say Vegas is fabulous. We are still fabulous. And this is a composition to prove it. I want to, to basically tell the Vegas story in a textile format. You know, some of the rich things that make Vegas, from the gambling, the showgirls, and of course the Raiders, the great Las Vegas boss chick. So I don't want to call it like a tribute thing, more of an honoring thing, honoring the great city. It was an unfortunate incident that occurred. Uh, and as it's, it's things and events like this are happening all over the world, it ain't nothing new under the sun. This stuff has been going on for thousands of years, and it's going to continue to happen. It's just the nature of man. And we have to be able to suffice and continue to live on our journey. People have gotten through worse situations. so. You know, welcome to Las Vegas. We're still fabulous. I want to emphasize this bottle as well. One of my mm, favorites, 1969 Ebony Magazine Noxima ad. Honoring all the beautiful, beautiful women of color from around the world. One of my favorite art pieces. And I had to individually create each one of the faces and they all carved into the bottle. People, of course, always constantly ask me how long does it take, and truthfully, I can't really tell you. <laughs> uh, once it's done, I, I, I try to erase the whole ideal of uh, putting it together and the intense operation of getting the right positioning, the images, the faces, the cutting, the painting. I try to wipe all that out of my head and get to the next project, so I don't keep score on really how much it time it take. However, you know, someone like Mary or even Trishel, they're, they're starting to track my time and how long it takes me to do things. Because once it's done, I don't want to think about the, the enduring 
suffering and the math and the sweating and calculations and all those great things that come with putting the composition. Once the baby is born, a mother forget how much pain it was. It's a joy to have the baby. So it's a similar thing. Mm. So here we have some of my paintings, um, wine cases that I create, custom cases, larger format bottles that I carve, Mary's um, wine-infused jelly, Boss Chick wine collection with her stemware, the Boss Chick. There she is, the great Trishel Wynn of lovely, lovely Vegas. Barbara Jean's baby. <laughs> there she is. What a gal. And we can't, we can't do this without bringing Miss Mary in. She'll be complaining that I didn't promote her. <laughs> there she is. Miss Mary's stemware that goes with, of course, her cool jellies. And these are great jellies. Um, uh, this one here is the Provence, which is like a Chardonnay infused. This one is a Bordeaux, and of course a feature none other than Mr. Nelson himself. And great stock and stuff, is great collectible jellies. Uh, we got uh, some wonderful news uh, the other day that we're gonna relaunch our Sweet Thing jelly that we did with none other than a great Shaka Khan. So yeah, these jellies, make sure you come by the gallery and get these, they're great on, uh, on food. They're not just peanut butter and jelly, they're not just for bread. Something you could put on salmon, something you could put on roast beef, lamb. It's just an exquisite accent to your everyday dishes. Uh, instead of using steak sauce, put some of this um, doce, spicy doce on it. You have a jerk chicken, add a little of that. You want a more nutty flavor, do the cuvee, and so on and so forth. I'm Nick Coe and I want to share with you how my team and I built Real Social Dynamics into the world's largest dating coaching company while traveling to over 100 countries and I got engaged with my wife on my 100th country. I learned a ton from you and from the rest of the hundreds of thousands of clients from the 1,000 plus RSD Live programs taught every year in addition to the millions who follow RSD online. So subscribe to my channel and let me help you make your dreams come true. I'd like to help you create the mindsets, relationships, and networks of amazing people to transform you into a true hustler. Let me share with you my personal global mastermind group of the best business superstars. On this channel, you will get access to my two core shows. First, I want to share with you interviews with best-selling authors, millionaire and billionaire entrepreneurs, YouTube celebrities, and RSD's best talent, so you can go behind the scenes and learn from countless years of field experience to cut years off your learning curve. Second, I want to share with you my own intimate stories, field reports, and business intelligence so you can personally get to know me better and discover how you can craft an amazing life. So please subscribe to my channel and you'll get a ton of value from subscribing. Cheers.